Welcome back, CUS fans, to another episode of the Liberty Update. This week at Convention of States, we're celebrating 10 years of grassroots patriotism and activism, and we're excited to celebrate with you, thankful to you and the grassroots for all you've done to make this past decade possible. On today's show, we'll briefly walk you through the history of the organization, and then we'll unpack a few regular news stories as we would on any other episode. So thank you guys again for joining us. This is the Liberty Update with your need-to-know news. More than two centuries after George Mason's addition to Article 5 was unanimously adopted by the Constitutional Convention, the government under that constitution seemed to be degrading into exactly what Mason feared it would become, a corrupt, tyrannical aristocracy. In 2009, frustration at the federal government reached a fever pitch. Over time, Washington had increasingly disregarded the constitutional constraints that were meant to define its authority, intruding into the lives of countless Americans. Sick and tired of the overreach, these everyday citizens were ready to make their voices heard, and in February 2009, they participated in a nationwide string of protests. It was at one of these protests that a politically unseasoned attorney, Mark Meckler, found himself at the heart of this unfolding narrative. It was his first political event ever, and he encountered the swelling tide of dissatisfaction, and it gave rise to an unexpected outcome. Mark Meckler emerged as an unforeseen leader of what would later be christened the Tea Party Movement. The movement's rapid prolification across the nation was fueled by the widespread delusionment with Washington's actions. In a brief span of under two years, it transformed into a formidable political entity, casting a palpable shadow over the federal government's established authority, or at least so it seemed. The Tea Party had its crescendo in late 2010, electing Tea Party-affiliated candidates to Congress en masse. The stunning wave was hailed as the long-awaited cure to federal overreach. There was just one problem. Nothing happened. Despite massive gains in political representation, nothing changed. Well-intentioned candidates assimilated into a broken system, and the federal government continued to grow apace. Needless to say, it left grassroots voters feeling disenfranchised. Mark Meckler would eventually learn from Michael Ferris the constitutional attorney, that no matter how many good people the Tea Party elected into Congress, they would be ineffectual in a fundamentally broken system. The solution, therefore, was not just to send good people to Washington. The solution was to fix Washington. But how? Together, Meckler and Ferris tapped into the wisdom of George Mason, utilizing Article 5's dormant clause to formulate a new and improved plan for reigning in the federal government. Washington, D.C. would never curb its own power, they realized. If Americans wanted to fundamentally fix a broken structure of governance, they would need a force outside of Washington. They would need an Article 5 Convention of States. The new organization launched in August 2013. Miraculously, its founding closely coincided with the release of Mark Levin's seminal work, The Liberty Amendments, in which he rallied for states to leverage Article 5 as a weapon against federal tyranny. I undertook this project, Mark Levin explained in his popular book, not because I believe the Constitution as originally structured is outdated and outmoded, thereby requiring modernization through amendments, but because of the opposite. That is, the necessity and urgency of restoring constitutional republicanism and preserving civil society from the growing authoritarianism of a federal leviathan. Over the past decade, 
these words have remained the lodestar for the COS movement. While the Convention of State solution may not have offered the instant remedy of the Tea Party, it aspires to a far more profound objective. Its scope surpasses the mere pursuit of electing constitutional republicans. Rather, it centers on the substantial restoration of constitutional republicanism itself. Much like the Tea Party movement that once filled a void in the American political landscape, Convention of State's outstanding success has proven that the American people are hungry for answers, hope, and a path forward. In a time where most political maladies are met with nothing more than talking heads, useless talking points, and complaints, a movement centered around a solution, as Mark Levin puts it, a solution as big as the problem, is a welcome and imperative alternative. The first ever Article 5 convention promises to be so groundbreaking, so revolutionary, future historians very well may remember these past 10 years as the Article 5 era. They will trace how we laid the groundwork for the most important political event in the history of the Republic. They will study the process that took the words of Article 5 and elevated them into a resounding call to action. And above all, they will recognize how when the nation stood at the crossroads of crisis, Convention of States, our grassroots army, rose to the challenge, safeguarding the flame of liberty. That is our legacy and it's only just beginning. As we celebrate 10 years of Convention of States, grassroots activism, and progress in calling for an Article 5 convention, California Governor Gavin Newsom sparked headlines again this week with his Article 5 endeavor. In June, the governor announced a new effort to use Article 5 to enact gun restrictions through a new constitutional amendment, while claiming to protect the Second Amendment. In a video with now over 12 million views, Newsom shared a misleading talking point. He said, quote, The 28th will enshrine four widely supported gun safety freedoms while leaving the Second Amendment intact. This unique and deceptive messaging from Newsom's team conveys the idea that the Second Amendment will not be harmed. In reality, the language of the Second Amendment won't be changed, only the ability to bear arms would completely change. This backward, upside-down narrative was reiterated this week by Democrat State Senator Aisha Wahab, who introduced an Article 5 resolution to the California Senate in coordination with the governor's effort. In an interview, Wahab said, this particular resolution actually protects the Second Amendment, but also ensures that states have the right to enforce and create their own laws. This narrative has clearly been put on repeat. The self-contradiction is intended to create confusion as it successfully does. They are essentially saying, we'll protect your gun rights while confiscating your gun rights. As they say one thing, they will do the exact opposite. Regardless of the confusion, it's overwhelmingly understood that this effort has no chance of succeeding. Wahab said she thinks the effort will save lives while simultaneously calling it a tall order. It's indeed a tall order, more like an impossible order. To call a convention under Article 5 of the Constitution requires 34 states to agree to meet. And currently, 27 states have constitutional carry, permitless carry. So mathematically speaking, it's impossible to ever reach a convention on this gun control matter. 
As for the Convention of States movement, California's attempt offers tremendous benefits. It shows that one of America's top leftists knows that the COS effort cannot be used to impose any gun control or negatively affect the Second Amendment. On top of that, the California application clearly recognizes that the convention would have to be limited to the stated purpose only. In fact, it uses the same language as part of the COS application. Quote, this application shall be void if ever used at any stage to consider any constitutional amendments on subjects other than those specified, end quote. The major difference between Convention of States and Newsom's Article 5 effort is that restricting federal overreach is a bipartisan issue, and confiscating gun rights is clearly not. Just this week, the Convention of States organization topped 2.5 million petition signers, thanks to the thousands of activists on the ground working hard in every state. This unprecedented milestone in the COS movement is bringing us closer to holding DC accountable, and with 19 states on board, we are well on our way. The same EPA that's stocking up on guns and ammunition is now undermining America's electric grid with new environmental standards, leaving four of the nation's major grid operators concerned. The EPA recently shared its latest climate proposal, which would require power plants to regulate carbon dioxide emissions. This would also mean adopting new expensive climate technologies like hydrogen blending. The Center for the American Experiment filed comments in response to this proposal, writing that the EPA's capacity accreditations are unrealistically high and would be unable to keep the lights on. On top of that, four regional grid operators that oversee half of the American population's electricity also expressed their concerns. In a joint statement, the market operators warned that the challenges and risks to grid reliability associated with a diminishing amount of dispatchable generating capacity would be severely exacerbated if the APA's proposed rule is adopted. The Center for the American Experiment predicts that the new rules would spark rolling blackouts, affecting one in every five homes. They said, EPA is proposing rules that will fundamentally transform the entire U.S. electric grid, which is the most critical infrastructure in the nation. The blackouts observed in our modeling would be economically devastating. They explained that averting the blackouts would require a significant increase in installed generating capacity, costing ratepayers an additional $246 billion through 2055, which is roughly $7.7 billion annually. The EPA is setting the nation's power grid up for failure. When regional operators are publicly expressing their concerns, the complications are serious. Will the EPA listen to these concerns? The four grid operators noted in their remarks that the EPA's short comment period and the lack of dialogue leading up to the proposed rule have made it difficult to conduct a full analysis of the impacts. Sounds typical of government, especially an executive agency that has no obligation to listen to the American people. Hopefully, EPA heeds their warning, the Center for the American Experiment urged. But do federal agencies ever heed their warnings? If they did, the Convention of States movement would not be necessary. As we wrap up today's episode of the Liberty Update, we want to take a moment to recognize the amazing Convention of States grassroots teams and the millions of COS supporters across the country. After 10 years of growing the grassroots, the movement is stronger than ever, and we're over halfway to calling an official Article 5 convention. 
Together, we will cross the finish line and we thank you for your support. We'll see you back here next week for a new episode.